0: I just, I still can't believe that Brex is Arcadian and Arcadian is Brex. I'm still shooketh. I mean, I can think of a few lines that would maybe dispute it, but um, the lovely thing about canon is that you get to choose which
1: parts you ignore. Romana is the president, and Norvin's loud in his dissent, and Leela has wise things to say, and they. Braxy is a garbage man. Castellan Winter needs a hand. And Ace is in the CIA. And they all live on Gallifrey. The shining world of the seven systems is a pair
2: everybody. This week we're talking about episode 1.2 square 1.
3: I'm Finn, my pronouns are they them. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at fintip and you can follow the show at Pod of Rassilon on Tumblr, Twitter, Insta and wherever else you find podcasts. Joining me today, we've got Chris. He uses he him pronouns.
4: Hello. I'm Chris. You can follow me on Twitter at medlock madness and on Tumblr at medlock madness and on Instagram at BlueBoy1894.
3: Jane, who uses she, her pronouns?
2: Hey, everyone. You can find me on Twitter, Tumblr, and AO3 at Terene. Jane That's J-A-N-E-T-U-R-E-N-N-E.
3: And we have The Void. Who uses they, then? Hi.
0: You can find me on Twitter at VoidlyThoughts. And you can find me on Tumblr at irving Braxiatel. Again, not Irving Brexitel Irving Dash Um,
2: and Scar is not with us this week, uh, but they will be back with us for our next episode. <laughs> we wish we could tell you what they're busy doing because you'd be <laughs> excited, <laughs> but we'll we'll see if they're willing to tell us next time it's at. It's a work uh-huh. thing with some galley related content.
0: <laughs> I think saying it's geally related, adjacent, yeah, it's more adjacent, adjacent. than related, but <laughs> definitely relevant to your interests. I think.
3: Speaking of things relevant to certain interests, how is the episode?
0: Quite the same, way there, Finn.
2: <laughs> it was good as ever.
4: This is an episode where we actually to coin a phrase is very timey wimey, and we actually. Get reminded that hey, this is a show about time, <laughs> in a very real and palpable sense.
2: From the very early, let's see, I have an all all caps note: symbolic bonging.
0: What?
1: There's <laughs> symbolic
0: bonging going on. <laughs> oh, oh, you mean the music?
3: Do you want to elaborate?
0: The
2: there's just lots of clock chimes that really are just scene transitions, but they're very, you know, three strikes of the rod of on
4: I did not notice that. I have to say, but um, but yeah, I'll I'll take your word for it. Um, hey,
2: Finn, can we insert the symbolic bong here? The
4: symbolic bong. Which
3: is which is I not. I think I will, if she... only so that people don't go what you've missed I, I was that. kind of like
0: <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's going to earn us an explicit tag on iTunes if that's what I think <laughs> if, like, if you're talking about what I think you're talking about <laughs>
2: Yes, my first note on this ep is, it's really nice to see Romana get to have some action scenes, even if it's idiotic for the president. Jed Bartlett doesn't solve time crimes. (laughs) Although I would watch that
0: show. A thing I noted is, um, Romana was shot in the last episode. And in this one, she's just off, like, yeah, like, solving time crimes, running for her life. Hiding from, well, not a killer robot, but... What she thought was a killer robot, yeah. And I'm just like, Romana, chill, like relax. You, you, you got shot. You should rest.
3: I mean, the thing is, she's totally freaking out.
2: Never mind negotiating. You yeah, peace. yeah,
3: yeah. Like she is totally freaking out this whole episode.
2: I okay. I love so much that she takes the time while she's locked in a closet to scold I know. herself audibly <laughs> yes, about her choice of
0: hiding place. That is the Romana I know. This might not This might not make it in to the actual podcast, but um, in my notes, I, I wrote about that moment, about her sitting there hiding, um, that this is what proves that Romana is a... High-intelligent, low-wisdom character.
1: <laughs> 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 oh, absolutely.
0: <laughs> yup. I mean, one of many instances I have thought that, but... um.
4: Well, that's what she has Leela for. Yeah. She, she's wise. Yeah, her whole running
3: monologue for that... Well, externalising her internal monologue, really, for that whole sequence is just Romana freaking out and trying to, like, talk herself into not freaking out the whole time. She's running away, and there's the Why aren't 12 galactic powers falling over themselves to launch official protests? What to do if the president of Gallifrey shows up for lunch unexpectedly? And worth a couple of balloons, surely. Like, ev- everything in her head is ringing, right? like, alarm bells about something about this situation mm. is really, really bad. Um, And when you consider that... um, I mean, they, they, re- they go so far as referencing it, but It's the apocalypse element, isn't it? It's the Architrix convention all over again. Like, the last time she tried to do this, it did not go well. At all.
5: Especially not for her. Hello, it's Scar. I promise I did not skip square one on purpose this time, but I do have a very relevant excuse. I was uh, actually directing the actual Miles Richardson. That's a thing that happened. If that has you intrigued, please feel free to follow the Twitter account at dead underscore Susan. So I've been asked to give you a quick primer on the apocalypse element in case you've listened to Gallifrey but haven't gone and obsessively sought out every piece of fictional content featuring Romana and Lander, which, you would do that? So, um... The Apocalypse Element is one of the early episodes in Big Finish's main range, and it's the first time we see this concept of Romani being present at Gallifrey in Big Finish. Um, we never do see anything in between that in Big Finish, we don't see how she goes from um, being in e space to being involved in politics, but uh, we do see that in the Expanded Universe novels, and it involves uh, Romana being involved in some great vampire venture with the doctor. Then she comes back to Gallifrey and immediately gets kidnapped by some great vampire groupies. Some For some reason, when the Time Lords find Romana, Flavia just decides to make her a Cardinal of Pride, and Romana's like, yeah, okay, I'll think about that. Which, in Earth terms, it's kind of if, like, you know, you you graduate from a private elite school, you go on a decades long, very illegal gap year, doing very illegal things, and then you come home, and promptly get press ganged into the presidential office twice, and then get made minister for education with absolutely no relevant experience. You know, considering some real world things, that actually sounds kind of plausible. So yes, anyway, um. At this point, uh, in the apocalypse elements, we begin with the sixth Doctor, and he finds out that Romana has actually been missing for 20 years. Um, She was only president for a very short while before she got kidnapped by Daleks. She escapes and finds the Doctor, but she has been a prisoner for 20 years, and she's pretty messed up by it. She's uh, not like the companion Romana we're used to, she's much colder, it's like you shut off all her emotions and the way she pretends to be on the Dalek side is quite reminiscent of the Imperiatrix Romana we later know in Gallifrey. It's implied that a big part of why the Romana we know and love in Gallifrey quite different to the Romana we also know and love in the tv series is because she's got all this uh repressed trauma she's not dealing with someone please tell the time lords about therapy or you know you could just wait 50 years and torture a dalek to death that works pretty well too apparently
2: and that's 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 how you know that Hossack is a villain right away, because she brings up Etra Prime in front of Romana Mm.
0: with no apology at the very beginning, which is awful. That's also just how you know she's a Time Lord, because they just do not do the emotional intelligence thing. But even Narvin doesn't do that. Like, he knows that's where the line is. Yeah, that's fair. I'm just, you know, know... None of them are particularly good at emotions.
3: Although um, they do point out later. I mean, Romana's the one who points out later that Hossack, she's like, she's the only Gallifreyan who actually is good at the empathy thing. I did, I did write the quote down somewhere.
2: But that's a lie. Like, A, she clearly isn't. She's just realized it's a tool that she can use. Yeah, well, use. that's
3: what the thing is.
2: Yeah. But B, Narvin! actually talks about compassion in this episode as a good thing to have. Which, again, is sort of him playing on it, but... So, can we just say, Narvin's surprisingly good at his job in this episode?
3: Yeah, well, at one he thing He definitely that... is, like, not yeah.
0: surprisingly. He is good, but... Narvin is extremely competent. Right? So, in the
2: first... In the first round... Of the conference, he gets flingstab by himself and gets flingstab to tell him all kinds of things about the Monans that are very useful to know, and that Narvin at least claims he didn't know before about the origins of the Monan host world and all of that. Right, like he does a perfect spy thing. He gets somebody to spill the intelligence that they have, and in the second round. He arranges a private meeting with Pule of Unboss. Like, he is taking this job seriously. Yeah. He's doing it well. And that's why it's such a kick in the teeth at the end when Ramana is terrible to him. My poor boy. <laughs> I wrote down, that is the moment when he gets driven to Darkle. Before that, he's really trying to work for Romana and do a good job. And she proves in this episode that she does not value that in any way. And it's kind of terrible. She could apologize. You know, she could say to him, Yeah, I recognize that I treated you pretty badly in all of this. And, but like, take comfort in the fact that I needed somebody to do this job and you did it well. And if she said that, her steps before that would be pretty much okay. But she doesn't. She's terrible and snarky and rubs it in his face and treats him like crap
3: and at the same time defends brax yeah yeah Tell does not neglect his duties is very much a sort of Mm. mm, yeah but also i love it when he's grumpy indignant narvin is just
0: oh yes he's brilliant so um i'm experiencing Um. an emotion about narvin now (laughs) just for the record
3: it's always time to experience emotions about Narvin.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think I'd, I really like sort of the the general idea of this story. The whole, I mean, the timey wiminess, The it's it's just it's a good idea. It's one of those ideas where you know
1: mm.
0: that um, when um, when when Stephen Cole got it, uh, the writer Stephen Cole, when he got it, um, he must have just been sitting there like, yes, this is it.
3: It is a really cool premise. I do really yeah. I do really appreciate it. As well because you don't have the um quite often with the timey wimey stories where stuff's getting erased and repeated and everything. You end up with the trope at the end where it's just and then everything got erased and nobody remembered anything and everything was fine.
1: Yeah.
3: And it doesn't do yeah. that. It very explicitly no. doesn't go for that. And it's a like it's a fairly not a low-hanging fruit, but it is one that gets used a lot. Um, and not doing that, and kind of having the repercussions and the fallout of that happen, yeah. and have it like worked around in a political way is
4: much more interesting to me.
1: Agreed.
4: So, talking about our poor boy, yeah. Can <laughs> I just point? Can I just point out that our poor boy at this point is still perfectly comfy with the uh, with the concept of genocide when it when it when it's Experience.
2: Yeah. But but Romana is such a hypocrite about it. Yeah. <laughs> Erasure has already happened.
0: Erasure yeah. has yeah. already happened. I'm glad you, like, I made that exact note as well that she's there, like, I will never sanction genocide. And we know that she has done that. <gasps> Too recently. Like, because Narvin says that he asked her to do that when he became coordinator. That was very recently, Romana. You have just committed genocide. <laughs> yeah, and right, and
2: she's saying it to Norvin, who was her co-conspirator.
3: I mean, in fairness, erasure yeah. hadn't been written yet. Not,
2: not that Norvin's genocidal tendencies are no. apo- are excusable, because yeah. they're definitely not. It's shitty.
3: Yeah,
4: I mean, it's
2: very bad.
4: Yeah, as Finn says, erasure hadn't been written yet at this point. But, but, but yeah, the but, point yeah, stands yeah in, in the yeah. But the thing about the whole thing is, you know, is it's not even out and out, hey, I've got a terrible weapon and I'm pointing it at your head. It's the whole, when Gallifrey extended the hand of altruism, it also planted the potential for the for Monan hostworld's destruction, you know, whilst they were allegedly on a mission of mercy. I mean, specifically Narvin doing that.
2: Yeah. Which may or may not make it a tiny bit more excusable in that it's, it's not, it's a mutually assured destruction thing, right? You can argue he's only using it as a failsafe if they attack first. Still a terrible thing to do. It's
4: pretty still bad. Still taking
2: it way too far. Yeah. But he doesn't activate it, like, as soon as it's installed, yeah. right? Like, he thinks of the Monans as a threat already, he doesn't activate it during the, um, Grybin crisis, when the Monans are pointing their guns at a Gallifreyan mm-hmm. world, right? He doesn't bring it up then. Which, again, is probably because he doesn't think of the people on Gribin as being worth that, which is terrible in a different way. <laughs> but, yeah.
3: He sure does have some character development to come. Just, he just a little. Just a little.
2: Whereas something I kept thinking about Romana and Leela this episode is they're so much nicer than they get to be in later seasons. They're so much happier and like so much more. They're very gay. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so gay. They're so gay
3: in in this episode. You are teasing me. Actually, I am respecting you. Perhaps that's where the meaning lies. I'm sorry. What? Yeah.
2: You cannot tell me that when Romana says this stupid, savage brain, which is still terrible, but that she is not touching Leela's face Oh at yeah, time. absolutely. Like, her hands are on Leela's head at that point. There is no argument. And immediately after the audio cuts out, there are kisses. You cannot convince me otherwise.
4: <laughs> With just the whole... Uh, e- even at the start, where Leela says, I've been watching you, Romana, and everyone's like, yes, we know you have. <laughs> <laughs> and... Uh, and I quote when Leela's talking about about the summit and the fact that you know Romana you know is not looking forward to it. there is no spark in your eyes, no no sense of of, of wanting, yeah, and it's just like know. how hard have you been looking at romana's eyes, <laughs> you know, to, 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 um you know to, to know to, the difference, yeah. To know and the specifically difference.
2: Specifically taking note of when Romana looks wanting. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> also also, I'm really not as bad as you would paint me, Lila.
4: I, I made that exact note. It's like please like me. Please like me. I want you to like me. It's you know, it's yeah, yeah. I, I made that exact note. Real so I took note of the fact that you.
2: this one is written by Stephen Cole, as is Spirit, <laughs> the gayest of all, Gal, perhaps, <laughs> and the Romana lila is of all. But also, we talked a little last episode about some discomfort with this app. There's definitely some sexism going on here, partly in the language. There's a lot of slut-shaming that goes yeah, on Yeah, I have in several notes about that. Usually it's
0: it's villains doing it.
4: It is. Um. It's Hossack a lot, you know, yeah. and... Or o- Flinkstab. Off- or Flinkstab.
0: O- can, can I just pause us here? There's sort of a preface to this discussion I'd like to get in before we start talking about sort of the sexism, um, because it is very obviously there. I just sort of... For the listeners, I know we are all on the same page about this, but I just want people to know that... Um, just so I just want to briefly touch on the subject of Gallifrey and gender. So there's not really any in-depth information about how Gallifreyans view gender, and honestly, Canon is sort of, it is very contradictory about it, but a lot of the more recent information that we've gotten does suggest that the writers intend for them to have a less binarist society than we do in real life. But as I said, there's a lot of contradictory information. To that point, I think that the writers want us to assume that characters that use she-her pronouns are women, and characters that use he-him pronouns are men. So we're not necessarily saying that they are. We're not saying that gender is not more complex than that under Gallifrey. We're not saying that, you know, if I refer to Romana as a woman, I'm not saying that I think of her as a woman because I don't. But I know that's what the writers do. So yeah, just when we talk about it now, uh, we'll be doing it with, with that in mind. And we hope that our listeners will bear that in mind as well. Agreed. It's extra complicated in this episode because
2: there's so many different species going on as well, and cultures, um... Hossec specifically being the source of some of that is interesting, given that she has had a lot of contact with other species, especially for a Time Lord. Yeah, so there's there's
0: right there's a lot of
2: layers going on in that regard.
0: But I kind of feel like with the right because we have two instances of of using sexist slurs. She calls Romana a bitch, and she calls she
2: calls Lexi a slut. But then she also said. She also calls yeah. her She calls her a worthless prostitute. Yeah. There's there's a few words in between there, but and, yeah. yeah.
0: It's pretty bad. It's really I'm bad. I'm wondering if they thought, like, oh, it's slightly better because it's a woman saying it? Like, I don't know, because it is not I, that I old. I don't know. Like, it's not that old. It, you can't yeah. say, like, oh, it was ages ago. They didn't know better.
2: But... Okay, but I
0: think... I think... Chris and I as the
2: older folks on this call will say there has been a lot of change. I I know that. Um, um but even in the like the half a generation gap between mm. right me and you void, right? I'm how many years older than you are? Only like 7, 8, something like I'm that.
0: 24 um, in 3 and days. Even in
2: that amount of time, there's been a huge huge change in I mean, I guess I'm speaking from an American perspective. Yeah, I mean, like that is. God knows, we've still got plenty
0: of sexism. It's also a a cultural Um, thing. Yes.
2: Yeah, like feminism was a dirty word when I was. Oh, I mean, it still is here. Um,
3: Yeah, Yeah. here as well.
2: But like the perspective of that has changed a lot. I think in the ten plus years since this episode was recorded, and it shows.
0: Yeah, no, I'm. I'm just. I'm just saying that, like, sixteen years ago.
2: It still wasn't okay, but it was more culturally yeah, accepted. Yeah,
0: uh, that. But also, yeah. again, it really wasn't that long ago, so it's just—I don't think you can say it was a different time because it wasn't.
3: Yeah, um, there's there's a lot of using that kind of stuff to excuse a lot of things. Um, it's just one of them. Like, I love this show. This episode is a really good episode. I have some discomfort with it, mainly because of that. Mm. Um,
4: yeah, I think I think the saving grace. It is that it's as as we said it, it, it is the villains who come out with this stuff and you and you and you're left in you're left in no doubt by the scripts and by the actors as to that these are uh, really reprehensible characters you know with very few redeeming qualities if any that that is the saving grace doesn't excuse it
2: I th- also think it thinks it's being kind of woke. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Insofar as, right, like Leela telling Flingstab to fuck off, sorry, there's no other way to put that, is very deeply satisfying. It is.
3: I will dance on your slimy bones.
2: <laughs> right? Um, or there's the, the earlier one um, His kind is cruel and vain but weak, he is nothing. Right? Yeah. But also treating treating the murder of somebody who. May or may not be a sex worker lightly, yeah, is not, yeah,
0: acceptable. I do think there were like, I just think, like, the premise of it, Leela being put in that situation of having to share her body with people in a way that she doesn't want to and isn't comfortable with, I think that's a lot of the like, that that is the main thing for me, the main thing I'm uncomfortable with, yeah. I could, I can almost excuse the sexist slurs, but I think that one. Being so central to the story is one that makes me very uncomfortable. Um, Because off the top of my head, I can think of so many other ways that they could have gotten her on that station. Like, they could have just said, they didn't send one delegate, they sent a delegation. There were two delegates from Gallifrey.
3: I mean, the thing is, Leela says as much, right? Leela says as much in the episode. Like, why did they send me here? A teller of dreams and
2: stories. Yeah. yeah, or, right, she says, you know, I could have shown off my prowess with re- weapons, right?
3: Like, yeah. I know that it's written as this isn't a good thing, but Leela is so uncomfortable, yeah. and I hate it. And I think, for me, it's uh- mostly about Leela having her agency taken away yeah, among these mm-hmm. people.
2: And the fact that it's Romana who does that, yeah, right? It's Romana's choice, and Romana is not a villain.
4: That's yeah. what yeah. I was going to say. It's the fact that Romana puts her in that situation. And, uh, and the line... You know, is that oh, you know, you're fitting beautifully just as you are.
3: Yeah, it's is, like yeah. that doesn't feel to me like something Romana would do. It, it yeah.
4: it's yeah, it's it's half it's half a nice thing, half a really not good thing at all. Yeah, overall, it's yeah. not good.
3: But then you also have the acknowledgement of like just how clever Leela is yeah. yeah like she catches on to all of this so quickly like i mean she mem. she like straight up memorizes the codes.
2: she's on to lexi and barno yeah and they're the the things they carry in their costume case right she's yeah. the one who figures that out yeah, yeah. but he's like not yeah.
3: even two scenes earlier like there's been the kind of you can't read thing from canine and then like you can't read well i'll just
4: memorize the codes instead like that's fantastic
3: mm. yeah
1: yeah
4: so there's two things there. One, is, so I actually wrote down when Canine does that whole, uh, well, you're a bit illiterate, aren't you? I actually wrote down, is that really true that she's been on Gallifrey this long and is and not literate? Or actually, how long did she travel with the doctor and remained illiterate? That doesn't chime with me at all. So I, mean, I she was. She learns. Yeah. So I was. Ho- Say, saying to myself, I wrote town, Is that that she's still illiterate by canine standards, you know, or is she really, you know, truly illiterate? Not very literate at, at this point. There are still words that obviously went that she hasn't encountered before. And the other thing in this space, which is glorious but I, I also has a double meaning, is um is the Romana Tabrax comment.
3: Leela may be primitive, but that doesn't make her stupid. I want to stamp it on people's
4: foreheads. And Brax says, I reckon I appreciate the distinction. And there's two things there. One is Brax clearly has a lot of respect for Leela. And the other one is, you know, but the Brax is an awful person side of my brain going <laughs> Does that mean that actually Brax in the back of his head going, better watch I better watch out? You know, uh, you know, as to what I say and what I I do in front of her.
0: Sorry, no, um, I was just going to say that the third thing is that Brex is obviously half human, and that's why he <laughs> appreciates the, the distinction. <laughs> Your turn, James. There you go. So I have a lot of very
2: long-held theories about Leela and language. I, we didn't get to it last episode, and I'm glad we could get to it this one. Even though we talked about the scene last episode. (laughs) So the fact that she can pun about Pride of Lions says to me that she speaks Gallifreyan, which has been a very long-held theory of mine, right? So the doctor is seen teaching her to read in one of her TV episodes, which Chris was referencing, right? She's like writing on a blackboard. But I think he's teaching her English there, right? She Mm. certainly seems to be drawing English. So I think when K-9 says she's not yet proficient in reading, he means she's not yet proficient in reading circular. She can read and write English by then, and she can speak Gallifreyan, but she can't yet fully read circular. That is my- Yeah, big agree on that That is my very long-held belief.
0: Definitely agree.
2: And that's fucking impressive. Yeah. Like- Humans aren't supposed to be able to speak or read Gallifreyan and she can pun yeah. it. Like goddamn girl, get it.
0: <laughs> it I think it fits her character quite well as well um that it it implies that she learned the language by speaking to people that she she learned by yeah. doing um so rather than you know sitting down in a Gallifreyan for beginners class she just went out there and spoke to people and learned words and
4: This is
3: to one.
0: Yeah. yeah, especially I mean, when you yeah. consider
3: that, like, yeah. they've got the whole universal translation circuit thing going on. That, like, she's gone out and done that on her own, like off her own back, is really cool.
2: And it's so characteristic of Leela, I think she wouldn't want something to do her yeah. hearing for her. She wants to hear with her own ears and understand with her own brain. And I love her so
4: much. Especially a machine. Especially yeah. a machine. Yeah. What what she would canine notwithstanding what she would probably consider a test device
2: which jumping forward spoilers i think is why she never gets yeah. implants in her eyes right you've got mm. to figure gallifrey and technology something, is yeah.
4: good enough
2: do, right right good enough yeah. to implant something that bypasses her visual circuits and she never
3: does that yeah speaking of I think annoying robots though yeah. one of my favorite romana lines from this episode I'm the president of Gallifrey, you robotic ignoramus. <laughs> Romana arguing with robots. Romana arguing with robots and futuristic voicemail machines is just like one of my favorite things and I will never tire of Romana bickering with inanimate objects.
2: <laughs> I did write down that she says, says please to the servitor yeah. that she thinks... That, to Barno thinking she's a servitor. Yeah. But also, can, on the topic of robots, can I just say the spin-off that I now need more than anything is K-9's dance instruction. I
1: minias. know!
0: <laughs> why? Who thought K-9 needed that? Like, why does K-9 <laughs> Is is this something that, like, Romana installed on her K-9 that then, like, right. got transferred to other K-9?
3: Maybe it's part why of his criminal
4: genius pet? in the fifth galaxy programming. <laughs> Maybe it's part of the same program that gives him (laughs)
2: laryngitis
4: (laughs) (laughs) what does he need it it for
2: is it (laughs) new right is it part of his musical education that we hear him getting last i mean so
0: yeah
3: (laughs) that was romana's canines how much of it did they share but
0: again like that's true yeah (laughs) that's true i do like the idea of that that you know Romanus K9 is like, yes, I am the superior K9 because I know about music <laughs> and dance. And then Leela's K9 was like, excuse, so do I. And then just like, plugs into the nearest data terminal and
3: downloads all of it. Amazing.
0: Or can you? Okay.
2: I am so picturing Romana's canine teaching Leela's canine to dance. I need this fic more than anything. The two of them dancing around the presidential office in the middle of the night and Romana ro- wanders out in her bathrobe and is like, I don't even want to know what's going on and goes back to bed. <laughs> can,
4: can you imagine T's level of infuriation if that scene had to be real? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think this is the first... Time we hear the words "inferior canine units" as well. Yes, that that is definitely a thing. You know where Romana's canine gets proper snarky about his twin, and Romana even teases him. You know, he's like, oh, you're not so different after all, and and he's just like, yeah, good <laughs> he's not happy at all. And the other and the other first in this is the um is the running decimal point joke. <laughs> Makes its first appearance oh. here.
2: Two other things: it's the first instance of Ramana being paradoxical, yeah. which we all know is a running theme. Oh
3: no, really?
2: And <laughs> and Narvin getting blown up. Yes, off. I have
3: that note. I have that note.
4: <laughs> it's a bomb, R- Romana, The whole oh, I made me paradoxical sort of yep. thing is sort of like it's it's almost sort of. It's almost sort of cheeky. She is,
0: um, the line goes, oh dear, I must be paradoxical. No wonder I have such a beastly headache. And I love it. Like, she's so casual about it. She's like, oh yeah, that's why. I'm I'm so, I'm working so hard not to say the T word right now.
3: <laughs> you can if you want, oh, I'll girl. just cut it.
0: <laughs> oh, thanks. <laughs> I... I I will say it for people listening in case it doesn't get cut. The T word, as a reminder, is of course tray. <laughs> Jane is <laughs> nodding. I am allowed to say the forbidden word. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs>
4: um, you know, just the sort of cheeky, oh, I may even be paradoxical, considering the lengths they were prepared to go to over Charlie. So, ooh, Let's either A, disperse her, or B, banish her to a a parallel universe where time has no meaning. And then you have, like, Romana, like, pretty much a couple of months later, going, oh, I may be paradoxical. (laughs) Uh, I'm sorry. This should be
3: a video podcast because I need people to see what Chris just did.
4: I'm sorry, I'm just I'm just going into back for my girl pollard here, you know
2: <laughs> there you go we've we've discovered Chris's for a. <laughs> um so well, on the topic of Charlie though, because um, I was thinking I noticed something else for the first time this episode um, which is. How often Leela is in disguise this season, and how excited she is about it, right? So she goes undercover last episode. She's excited by the prospect of going undercover this episode. She goes undercover in episode four, right? And it all stops when her husband stops Mm. being in disguise. Right, there's the big parallel with Leela and all of these alternate personas Mm. she takes on. And she doesn't really do Mm. that after season one. As soon as Andred, yeah, Mm. throws off his disguise. Spoilers, spoilers, (laughs) spoilers. Oh no!
0: Oh no! (laughs) Oh Oh, Leela, oh no. Oh yeah,
2: didn't mean to derail can, the
4: conversation that's okay. like trains. So Episode be, be, Before we get on to the whole okay. it's a bomb conversation. Can we can we can we sort of just talk about um about a line that Barno um says. So so quite near the start, um where Leela's sort of told oh, you know, oh, you know you, you you've got a sort of time lord after you, um, yeah, and and the word she uses is, um, well, they do like they do only like to watch, don't they? So, time lords are ace. So, well, <laughs> th- th- there is that and long standing suggestion that that the, the doctor is is ace, but also. You know this this sort of plays into the whole well, looms our canon, you know, and pretty sure that the creators of Gallifrey were are fully bought into that mm. looms our canon as far as uh, as far as ooh, Ga- as far ooh, as, ooh, <laughs> as far as Gallifrey is, is concerned, and this just little throwaway line that kind of cements that point home.
0: Yeah, I I, I think even without that it is just a really like it's a funny throwaway line that you know cuz they are they have the whole no interference thing so they like to yeah. watch the universe
3: mm. yeah yeah particularly nav in the cia right
0: yeah, yeah. um al- also a note in case someone doesn't know um ace is short for asexual someone who doesn't experience sexual attraction we are not saying that the doctor is ace McShane. um <laughs> that would be <laughs> I very think wild um, that would... that That's the Praxis Arcadian theory of this episode. Um, the Doctor was actually ace all along. Surprise! <laughs> and I, I don't
2: think anybody here would disagree, at very least, that the Time Lords have much higher rates of asexuality. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Whether or not you believe all Time Lords are ace, um, which is a perfectly valid belief. Wait, 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 they're all uh, clones
3: of Ace Big yeah, like...
2: <laughs> yeah every, yes. every single one <laughs> also for for those who may not be as well versed aromanticism is a different thing that's a whole different conversation at very least with Leela and android i think we have an argument that not all time lords are aro um short for aromantic but yes definitely at we have really strong evidence that at least there are pretty high rates of asexuality in the
4: or community. Yeah. And, and the idea that the doctor is aromantic doesn't play with me the idea that he's asexual or they are asexual you know very much does play with me so
3: I will say also on this topic less so about the ace thing but just that whole scene the, the one where Leela is dancing and like you know flinkstab whenever is trying to get Narvin to be like oh look at her isn't she pretty or whatever. Like, Nervin is very much, it's not a disgust thing, it's a, it feels like a respect thing mm. in the way that Nervin is like, can yes. you stop, like, let just, like, I don't want any part of this, like, I'm just trying to do my job, leave me alone.
2: He also, um, in a moment of crisis, when Puel has just been exploded, um, A, he says, I need you to track him, that's what you're good at, yeah. right, so he acknowledges his Oh yeah, no, absolutely. And... I noticed this time he does not call her savage at any point in that. He calls her Leela all through that because he is acknowledging her strengths.
4: He throws it away the next episode, but But I had something
2: else. Oh, okay. I had one other note about um, sexuality uh, and attraction and all of that. When we talk about how gay Gallifrey is or how gay characters are, we mean the whole queerness umbrella. LGBTQ (laughs) plus 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 plus. Any letter you want. Like, when we talk about Ramana and Leela being gay for each other, we do not necessarily mean that either of them is a lesbian. Like, personally, right? We, we have evidence that at very least Leela experiences romantic attraction to at least one person who uses he-him pronouns, right? So, yeah, we're using gay as an umbrella term for any queer yeah sexuality or it's just a lot
1: easier to
3: say it's it's a it's a convenient shorthand basically yeah but also now in that scene freaking out as well (laughs) yeah go he goes from like super silly as time lord to oh god panic 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 (laughs) in like 0.2 of a second (laughs) and the whole time all he is trying to do is he's trying to protect his planet right like that's all he is trying to do for this whole episode everything that he is doing however you know it's it's a greater good thing right which is not necessarily a good thing in a lot of ways but his whole shtick for a lot of this for a long time like his whole character is for the greater good of gallifrey like i have to protect my planet and my people i don't necessarily like a lot of them and i don't agree with a lot of them but like you know i am loyal to the office of president it's it's that thing again um like the thing he's panicking about with the reset is i won't know to interrogate the monon and Not on a personal level, but because he cares about what's gonna happen with Gallifrey.
4: And in that final sort of exchange between him and Romana, you know, he, he he directly accuses her of you are supposed to be the protector of Gallifrey and you've palpably failed in exercising that title. And as Jane says, you know, yeah, you know, this sort of all pushing him into the arms of Darkle, but yeah, absolutely, he's he's ranting at that point, but it, he's disappointed in her. You know, he, you know, he, he's very much sort of like, well, thought she could do it, but seems I was wrong.
2: Well, and again, he's been working against his instincts all episode, right? Like he is an isolationist, and yet. He goes to Flinkstab and says, we could be allies, right? Our people could ally, which is not... That's his president's policy. It's not his personal one. And he puts that aside and does his job and then gets
0: slapped in the face for it. Yeah, Our boy gets done wrong, man. But also, again, Narvin is so good at his job. He whatever that is like um we know that he was good as a technician as well we know that he's good as a coordinator he's he's just good and smart
3: i mean he's also a complete nightmare
0: that also the fact
3: that romana sent him (laughs) explicitly to cause problems right like Mm. she wanted him to be a distraction and to cause issues because she knew that this conference didn't matter she just wanted it to be a mess.
4: And he really doesn't like being used. That's 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 the thing with Narvin. No,
3: no, absolutely not. Yeah. But like the fact that Ramona chose to send him out of everyone mm. is very funny to me.
2: While we're on this topic, can we talk about her holograms? I know her pre-recorded know. holograms and how good those are. <laughs> the scale of the squabble. of yeah. Romana. You've been hanging around, yeah. lot.
4: That's a real sort of slap on Narvin's wrists as well. The fact that Gallifrey is. Allowing, you know, ourselves to be drawn into this kind of behaviour yeah. is is even worse, you know. So so yeah, that's a very dynamic. Direct... In, in the
3: rerun where she's like I'd expected him to be wrestling on the table by this point is A a very funny <laughs> mental image. Um and B just she chose to send Narvin because she wanted to annoy him. When when it, that's what it boils down to.
2: We also get um just a moment of he really is a patriot. You know, he's talking about courage and compassion, right? Gallifrey leads with courage and compassion. That's clearly naive and problematic. But, like, this is a deeply held conviction for him. He believes in his world and that's why he's willing to sacrifice for it.
3: Yeah, I'm, I, there's definitely stuff with his character arc where, like, he comes around from that in different ways. A lot of it is, like, he wants to believe in Gallifrey, but it, it, it ends up being... It's the transition from, I suppose, nationalism to true patriotism, in that, like, nationalism is about, you know, I believe in what my country does no matter what, and we're the best no matter what, to that kind of patriotism, which is, like, I want to be proud of my country, so I want to make it a better place, and that transition is like it can be really subtle in some ways for a lot of people and a lot of people don't distinguish between the, between the two and obviously this like it's about aliens on a planet scale and stuff like that but it does kind of boil down to that
1: i think we've had
2: conversations not on mic before about season six i think it's 6.3 and that one random place in the whole series where we suddenly get voiceover other than i guess brax's daydream sort of <laughs> Right, but Narvin giving his speech yes. about what it feels like to be home or to potentially go yeah. home and how he feels about Gallifrey now.
0: I believe Romana is also a yeah. part of that, which is sort of encapsulates. I I think Romana and Lila and Narvin all do it together. Yeah, right. But his
2: is all about. You know, I there was a time I would have died for my world without hesitation, and now I'm just tired. I'm tired of sacrificing.
3: Spoilers. Yeah. Character
2: world, and then at the end of that episode, at the end of that episode, big spoiler. Yeah, we'll, we'll avoid yeah. that
3: big spoiler,
0: uh, yeah. <laughs> but if you've seen the episode, wouldn't you know what we're referencing? Yeah. <laughs> or heard, if you've seen to. the episode, please hook us up with this footage because I would like right. to see it.
4: <laughs> That's actually a thing that I want. Um, that big finish doesn't really seem to do very much. Occasionally, you get you get stills of, of actors in booths. But I would really like to see that. You know, I would really like to see, there are sort of those of us with, with friends and acquaintances who have been lucky enough to sort of see them record. But, you know, I, yeah, I, I would like to see sort of YouTube videos of, you know, when they do the behind the scenes stuff of them. I know they sort of, have always said they don't want to do gag reels because they feel it would be... In some ways, a little disrespectful. Well, for Nick the, said it's about making the actors feel unsafe, isn't it? Totally get that, but a good take, you know. So, very often in the behind-the-scenes stuff, you will get you'll get a little snippet of something, and whoever the director is, whether it's Nick or Lisa or, or Scott or wh- whoever it is, will go, "Yep, yeah, that was great," or "Lovely, thank you," or whatever. So, I I, I, I would quite like to sort of. See the actors performing because a lot of the actors say you can't act even if it even it though it is on audio you, you can't do this stuff without actually doing something physically with your body. Uh, Paul McGann once told me that he he, he loved to act opposite Mark Bono you know, when he's doing the Eleven because every time he changes his voice he changes his body and he, he contorts himself and i'd like to see a little bit of of the recording maybe i should maybe you should write into the podcast and uh, and suggest it and see what nick says
2: that's a very good idea all i've been able to think of since you said outtakes is <laughs> season what four. do you mean an
3: outtake that's how i'm gonna do it
2: <laughs> and how much i would give for i videos know i, I know i <laughs> know
3: i mean in, t- in terms of in terms of visuals this is just because i am a nerd but a specific kind of nerd the fact that i am a nerd is not new to this podcast but <laughs> i would love for just a short scene like maybe one specially written maybe them reenacting something that's already been done if anybody at big finish ever ends up listening to this podcast i'm just saying i'm pretty cheap <laughs> as a costume person <laughs> <laughs> and I already <laughs>
2: Benny got an anime, sure. And I already
3: have a lot of designs, but okay, yeah that's no, that's I just I would really like to see them perform the characters in physical space, all kind of like you know, let me do let me do the costumes big finish. Um, all of that aside, like I would really like to see how they played those characters in physical space. Yeah, it would be really interesting to me, I think.
2: Please make it that first scene of season four. Even if it's highly uncharacteristic. <laughs> like, just, please. Please, can we have it?
3: I just, I just need please, Sean sir, to have... I more. I just need Sean to have a proper Narvin outfit so that they can get some proper photos of him so that they can stop <laughs> using the same two images from the war games. Please. Please, I'm begging you. Uh,
4: I, I just have this mental image now of 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 Miles... Coming on stage, and somebody doing the Holy Grail thing behind him with the with the coconut shell. <laughs> 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 yeah, and him doing the whole, doing the, him doing yeah. the whole action and everything. Yeah. And he would. Oh yeah.
0: You know he's a ham.
4: Yes, he
3: having seen him on stage, one thousand percent. Agreed. <laughs> Sorry, Jane. You were going to say something.
2: Speaking of Big Finish Day, right? And Finn doing costumes. Finn is the winner of oh, the com- Big Finish Day costume <laughs> contest two big finishes ago, which saw sheer Big Finish loyalty. So there you go,
4: according to Mr. Briggs. <laughs>
2: <sighs> Let Finn make Sean Carlson some robes, please. Petition, 2020. Let something good come out of the year 2020. I'll do it for free. <laughs>
3: I don't know how much of this I'm going to cut out. Sean has
2: already worn some of Finn's designs, (laughs) in fact. So there you go.
3: He wore my jacket. You did? Which is not the same thing.
2: Yeah. Oh, come on. Come on now.
3: I'm not on camera because mine's not working. But um, for the audience, I am very red in the face right now.
2: Yes, well, you're just going to have to sit there and take the fact that you're talented. Extremely
0: so.
3: I am going to cut all of this out. (laughs)
0: You poor thing. <laughs> I'm going to slip it into conversation later. We'll be talking about something else. And I'll be like, yeah. so, Romana, Leela are gay. Um, I like Brexit. till Finn is a- an excellent costume maker. And um, <laughs> Narvin is amazing. And then you can't cut it out because then my sentence is going to sound chubby and weird.
3: That's what sound effects are for.
2: Speaking of clothes... Lela has the line, "Why do you wear so little?" in this episode, and Leela <laughs> I know, Lela.
4: Yeah, true.
3: Leela?
2: how long have you been on Gallifrey?
3: <laughs> that or the implication is that this character is wearing even less than Leela normally yeah. wears.
2: Almost yeah. nothing. Like yeah. we're talking,
3: like probably something like pasties, I don't even you know? Like. Speculate. Right,
0: pasty, yeah. Like, I mean, I've always been picturing like a. Wait, no, that that sounds weird. Like, I'm, I'm just. <laughs> yes, I am. I've been picturing it, you know. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, I just imagine because they say like sparkly costumes. I think I'm just thinking like of, you know like Brazilian carnival outfits. Yeah. Which can yeah. be quite revealing. Um, but yeah, are still obviously a craft. Um, that sounded really bad. Romana. <laughs>
3: No, you're good.
2: <laughs> yeah, and on the Romana, Romana is very gay front. Romana says of Barno that she is lovely if only. Yeah, made <laughs> of.
0: see, I I like the first part. I dislike the second part of that sentence. Yeah, <laughs> agreed. Like, cause that's you know that that's along the same lines of the. The one where she talks about, you know, Leela fitting in just fine. I'm just like, that's not Romana. That's right. there's there's some body yeah. shaming
2: going on too.
0: Yeah, yeah, along with the, sl- the slut shaming. I don't even know if I should get into this because I will go off if I do. But, um... Go off! Go off! Go off, Lloyd! Okay, um, so, Flinkstab, um, as a character, is one of the most fatphobic characters I have ever seen. Th- heard of slash seen in any piece of media He he is a terrible person disclaimer he is um he killed someone um he is extremely sexist it's implied that there was it is implied there was going on but he is he is constantly represented as someone who is gross and disgusting um and him being fat is definitely meant to be part of that like and even all the ways that he is presented as being gross are very much things that are also fat-phobic stereotypes. Like, you know, his his creepy breathing and his sort of unpleasant snorting, snorting sound yeah. and that he's smelly and slimy and slug-like.
3: Yeah, I mean, like, the touchstone for him is very clearly meant to be Jabba the Hutt. Yeah. Yeah. And it's... Who... Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, and I mean, also, like, he's also... He's not really very smart, which again is sort of a, a phobic stereotype. Um, like, because I mean, like we have him giving away very valuable information to Narvin uh, with a thing about the Moan and host world, and him like he makes a comment of it to someone how he's like, yeah, oh yeah, there were some servitor robots that went missing. They don't know where they went, and like no logical conclusion. like. No leap of logic there. No, maybe we should have looked into that. It. I am infuriated. Barno says yeah.
2: that. Yeah. Too. Right. Like I. I. It was really easy for me yeah. to trick this idiot into bringing me along. I am yeah. so
0: infuriated by it. Um, like and and he like he has no self control again stereotype. And and there's the thing with you know he, he is like he's a rapist. He is a terrible person, but. I think the story very much wants you to think, oh, these poor women being harassed by this gross man. And again, like the fact that he keeps being called Fetnake is very much part of it. And I'm so angry about it.
3: Leela's like horrible terms for other people, they're like weasel mouth, right? Like, which is a very different kind of, it's a very different type of insult. Yeah, no, he, he does make me really uncomfortable in a lot of, on a lot of levels, and it's kind of like, some of those levels are because he is a horrible person, and some of them it's kind of like, ooh, don't describe people like that. Like, you know, one or two of these tropes, yes, okay, because then they're not used as tropes because it's just part of a character, but the way that they are presented in the episode with so many of them is just, it's, it's not good.
2: So kind of adjacent. Um... The voice is part of that, I think, too, right? Mm. The way Flingstab's voice is synthesized, um, and I think there's something to be said for all the voices in this episode, and the, all the different filters.
3: It's so early, Big them. Finish. It's so early, <laughs> Big Finish. <laughs>
2: it really is, and they learned the lesson over time that you have to make them actually audible. <laughs> It took me until about my fifth or sixth listen to realize that you can understand what Pule of Unboss <laughs> is saying. Like, yeah. Lexi, right, you have a character who, to the best of my knowledge, is not speaking English. Yeah. Right? It's just noises. Um, I thought that Pule was that, too. And so I missed the gargle bl- blaster reference, which is delightful. <laughs> um, until, like, several times in. Yeah, there you go, yes. The, the drink, the drink that people ask for is a galactic coffee yeah, Blaster. Yeah, it's great. Which, if anybody doesn't know, is a Douglas Adams yeah. reference.
3: Um, yeah, I mean, like, I don't have trouble with audio like that. Um, I do in real time. Yeah, so I don't really struggle with stuff on audio, so I tend to, like, miss stuff that, or not miss things that other people miss. Um, but yeah, you, this episode in particular is kind of, like, there are some, like, issues with that a little bit.
0: One thing I do want them to bring back in terms of sound engineering is the music. Mm. Yeah. I know I know we all said it last time as well, but the music in Ali Gallifrey is so good. It's so like melodramatic and over the top and <laughs> I want Except it back. For, please.
3: Yeah, I mean I love that. I love it. Except for those last few scenes at the end, after, after everything's like, you know, come to a head and like the climax has happened and everything's like been salt sorted out. Those those two scenes with Romana and Narvin and Romana and Leela, the music in that is so subtle, like in a good way. And I really I really enjoyed that com- like as a contrast to the rest of the episode, which is so over the top in an absolutely delightful way. Um,
4: at the start, it's not the only episode in which it's used, You know, but you have some sort of great organ music at the start, which is very, very reminiscent of um of deadly assassin you know that that whole yeah it's very much a throwback to that it it, it really is you know to sort of really drive it home that hey you know this is this is a series about life on Gallifrey you know and and it cements everything that we were saying you know last time about Gallifrey being a stagnant society and you know sort of very stuffy and in the past and Leela even sort of says you know you you are old and old people struggle with change you know so which is setting up a lot of stuff for what comes next with the whole aliens on Gallifrey alien students on Gallifrey and you know and 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 just what Darkle's agenda is in that respect
2: speaking of very over the top and stuff to do with music. So the, the one comment, right? We we all chat a lot on Discord in between episodes, which is a problem when we're listening to the eps because we want to tell each other things before we record this and we try and refrain. But the one thing I couldn't help but say this time is Hasek is the only character even more histrionic than Nepenthe, and I really want, like, a... a um, a recording of the two of them featuring a rap break from Soul Deed of the Horns of Naimon. <laughs> like, I need the sound clip of all three of them you massively, <laughs> massively over-the-top set to a funky, fresh
3: beat. I mean, there straight up was a callback <laughs> to Horns of Naimon.
0: How many times have you reset the time How many lives? times have you
3: started? And, and she's like, three! And I just died on it. Like <laughs> it's It was so good. Getting get Romana to say it, yeah.
2: The one from Nepenthe that always sticks out to me. Their decrepitude <laughs> is the foundation of their tyranny. Yeah. Come on, Nepenthe. No human being can say that with a straight face. How? It's so good. It's so fantastically too much.
4: All I can hear there I is um, Daryl Hannah in Blade Runner where she, you know, she has this like accelerating decrepitude. Just in terms of Hossack's, over the topness. I was going to save the universe. <laughs> I know. Oh, come on. <laughs> I, I, I wonder whether, whether, how many takes did they have to have? Three. <laughs> for callous, deceitful bitch, you know. Just, you know, just was that the first take? Do you wonder how many, how many goes did she have to go? Because she really goes for it. She does not hold back. It's really from the gut, you know and which makes it but
2: you couldn't do it in the era of covid because you could hear yeah. her spit
4: <laughs> it makes it, it makes it believable you know um but yeah i wonder whether that was that the first go or did she have to <laughs> did she have to work her way up to, up to that level of of um frothy mouthness i've just pulled up the
3: um the cast list i'm normally really good at uh, uh, catching voices, I did not clock Joseph Lister as uh, Pure Van boss
0: I, I was looking it up earlier and I didn't either, but in fairness, the voice filter again.
3: Mm-hmm. I know, but I'm normally good even despite the voice filters.
0: Who else does he play? Not in Califrey.
2: Audio roles Pula Van boss Unit the Coup, he's in Crystal
0: of Cantus, uh, Summer of Love. Uh, uh, uh. Yeah, he's been quite a lot of, of Benny stories. Uh-oh.
3: I mean, like I said, he doesn't like he tends to do more of the writing stuff. Um, but again, like, I'm just normally yeah. quite good at voices. So
0: he wrote Crystal
2: of Pantus. Oh, oh, goodness! Thank <laughs> you for that trauma, friend.
3: I never said he wrote nice story.
2: <laughs> oh, he wrote master. No, he no. really doesn't write nice <laughs> stories. <laughs> good stories. We're differentiating good from us. Both
1: of
3: those are good stories. Well, he did did the Reaping and the Gathering as well, which are like, yeah.
0: He is credited as um, some bet number four in The Worst Thing in the World. Well, they're not numbered, but he's the fourth some bet on the list, so.
3: (laughs) (laughs) You should be going to cons for that one. I was the fourth Stormtrooper from the right.
0: (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> does anybody else have anything they desperately need to say about square
0: one
3: i think i have one point i don't know if anybody else has something oh i have two points
0: i don't know if i have anything so you go i'll I'll have a look
3: so the first one is i have two despite everything's in my notes um the first of which is despite everything going on this story is very much about Leela and romana and yes. also, for all the sexism in the story, it is a story about women um, and about, like, women's agency and things like that. Leela that solves everything. It's Romana that solves everything. Brax is the background character. Nervin is a background character. He's there, like, he's not there to move the story on. Really, none of the men in it are there to move the story on. They're just kind of, they're the sexy lampshade. Like, <laughs> they, they, they make the story more interesting and they're something nice to not look at but listen to. I mean, I could, I could listen to Narvin doing that whole rant thing all day long because it's glorious, but it isn't a thing that moves the plot. And one thing I do really appreciate about Gallifrey in general is that, despite everything, it is a story about women.
0: Yep. A fun fact there, um, every episode out of the first six seasons pairs the Bechdel test. Um mm. I believe Intervention Earth is where they—they had one that didn't. Um, is either there or enemy lines. But I think Intervention Earth would make sense because Intervention Earth, yeah. yeah, no Leela. But, but yeah, no. Every every episode is in the, in the first six seasons passes it. Um, so for those who don't know, um, it's a test which is basically, um, are there more than two women, uh, female characters that are named, and do they talk to one another about something that is not a man, um? So it's not, you know, it's not an indicator of Isn't it? anything other than female characters actually exist in this thing. Other than just as sexy lampshades.
4: There's a, it, it has to be for a certain amount of time as well, I, I think. Period. Yeah,
0: I've yes. seen some variations of it talking about how they need to talk for a certain amount of time. Okay. Um, but, you know, basically those are the parameters of the test.
2: Ramana and Leela both really also get to play to their relative strengths. Um, despite Leela being thrust into this situation where she's uncomfortable, right, she's really good at the investigating part. She's really good at the protecting part. She, she does a great job, and so does Ramana. And so in his way does Brax, because Brax works better in the background. That's where he's at home. Also, can I just say, so at the beginning of the episode, like, obviously it is a convenience literary narrative device we're going to explain this for the benefit of Cardinal Braxiatel, who has been much engaged <laughs> in other matters, right? But what was he up to, right? I know it's kind of implied that he was planning the other summit, the real one, but also this is Brax. He was up to some shady shit. And <laughs> I have that
0: exact it? note as well. Um, I I do believe they are also kind of foreshadowing the thing that happens in the next episode, the reveal about the collection, Um which Ooh. I think they yeah, are sort spoilers. Of, yeah, spoilers. Um, but, but we're going to talk yeah, about that in a minute. Yeah. But, um, I, think I think they are kind of foreshadowing that he has this other sort of thing that he's doing. But at the same time, he's a time traveler. And like at this point, it is established in Benny that he has all of these other breaks at his disposal. So like, <laughs> why would it take up his time? What is he up to that's taking up so much time? What's he doing?
3: Well, now I'm having emotions about Mr. Graham. i was about to say clones. <laughs>
0: oh no. Oh, oh no.
2: He's
4: cloning himself.
2: <laughs> I'm having Pandora emotions. The one thing he can't farm up to another brax is practicing his codes.
4: Yeah.
0: He
2: has
4: to yeah.
3: do
0: that. I do I do have a head cannon which um that um spoilers a as soon as he arrived in the collection, after that, a future Brex sort of came in and, like, helped him through the first sort of days, weeks with that whole thing. Um,
3: this feels like something we should talk about when we talk about that episode.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Because but, I but have this... a lot of
3: feelings on the topic as well.
0: I mean, I I know that, like, if we're being honest, like, my swear jar character is Brex, right? Like, this is... The problem is that he's the main <laughs> character of the show, so, like, can't do it.
2: <laughs> so we've discovered everybody's but Finn.
3: <laughs> you can't make my swear jar character be Narvin, I say, having Narvin as my display picture.
0: <laughs> Costumes. Yours Yours is the costuming. <laughs> I mean, there's a few Benny characters I think could be yours, but they're ones that you mention frequently, but not necessarily in the context of Gallifrey. Mr. Croft has. No, uh, the the ice warriors. Is it Scott Lloyd or Scott Lloyd? How do you pronounce it? Haas, yes. There's Haas and Scott
3: Lloyd. They are both. Well, Haas is a bit more complicated, but yeah, uh, it's Commander Scott Lloyd that I get most emotional about. Who is a war criminal? I have to point this out. He is a war criminal.
2: And you know, ice warriors and or gardeners at the collection.
3: Scott Lloyd never made it to the collection. That's the bit. (laughs) That's the thing. (laughs) You all need to go and read Tiz of the Oracle, please.
0: I'm working on it.
3: <laughs> I know. <laughs> well,
0: I'm, I'm reading Dragon's Wrath right now, but... Yeah,
3: yeah. How good is it? Also a
0: good like, This is <laughs>
3: not a Dragon's Wrath podcast, but how good is it?
0: <laughs> on a scale from one to good, it is extremely good. Right? <laughs> I mean, every time, like, you do know, every time Breck shows up, I just, like, I need to put it down and be like, it's him, the best man. <laughs> He is here.
3: <laughs> the bastard man, but he's not quite as much of a bastard yet.
0: And it's some sort of like... The nascent bastard man. It's some sort of like combination of like, I hate him and he is my favourite. and.
3: Yeah, yeah. Dragon's Wrath is really good.
0: Much
2: like Norvin with all the genocide <laughs> yes, stuff in the Yes, exactly. <laughs> Halfway between the boy yes. and... Oh my god, you're a terrible yeah. person.
0: Speaking of... Um <sighs> Narvin and Genocide and a terrible person. Uh should we talk about the next episode? We should. <laughs> <laughs> yes,
3: How am really I supposed to put that segue in?
0: <laughs> exactly as yes, boys.
2: No, I mean no, you no, but... don't need
3: to put it in, but Anyway.
2: Um, yes, let's talk about episode one point three, the inquiry. An
3: impartial inquiry.
0: Sure. I
3: mean Super it must you know. be
2: impartial
0: if Briggs is in charge. Because he is only in charge of <laughs> impartial inquiries, and he is so quite often.
3: <laughs> I mean, he does it in Dragon's Wrath, not that yeah. I'm bringing that up again. <laughs> I'm quite excited for this one because I haven't listened to it in a while, um, and I don't remember a great deal about it, other than the fact that I have a lot of emotions about it, and also about where this episode has been very much a focus on Leela and Romana. What I do remember about the inquiry is it being much more focused on Brax and Narvin. Yeah.
2: And their past. Shady. Shady past. past. (laughs) (laughs) A sudden detour into ASMR.
0: (laughs) While still, you know, like it does still keep um, Romana and Leela sort of at the centre stage. Um,
3: Yeah, very much so.
0: They're not sidelined in the same way that Narvin and Brex were in this episode. They are more sort of... They're there. They are doing the important research and... They're the ones making all the discoveries, and as I And as also that serves, really good
3: um, Leela and Brax scene as well.
0: We need more of those, please. Big finish, yeah,
3: please. I recognise that with the show where it's at right now, um, but like more, more, more Leela and Brax, please. I mean, it's doable.
0: Give us another like some sort of something like a race or something, you know? But it's just Leela and Brax. They're just chilling. They're just hanging out. Just like talking to each other because their conversations are always so good,
3: they really are.
0: Maybe talk about how Brax is half human, (laughs) (laughs) or how
4: Brax is secretly Arcadian Arcadian, She is who
0: he might tell,
4: (laughs) (laughs) anyway. The inquiry, oh,
2: Leela, Leela ending up at the White Rabbit. Yes, can you imagine? Yes, do what?
4: I mean, she did go
3: to Legion, it did happen. She did yeah. end up on Legion, and I have said that. Oh this yeah, before. that's
0: true. I've had that. Yeah. Um. Please, any fic riders listening to this? Um. I recognize that I am a fic rider. Um. But s- someone who doesn't have over a hundred works in process already, please write this. Um,
3: anyway, the inquiry. The, <laughs> the inquiry.
0: The yes. inquiry. Um, so, so we definitely can't talk
2: about every single thing we no. remember. Um but the two that always stick out to me are A Narvin, our scaldiest boy, once had a boss named Glower. I know. Which is yeah. just as is good. very
3: good. <laughs> it also sounds really Welsh and... which is a thing that stands out to me every single time. <laughs> and it's it's the whole Jadoom Platoon it upon does. the moon thing, isn't it? It's just cruel.
0: <laughs> I d I don't know if anyone who's listening to this doesn't know, but um Sean Carlson is is
2: Welsh. She's um,
4: very Welsh.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> very proudly welsh but yes and the other one is also a narvin thing shockingly uh Scurturo's famous hollow color of the something dea <laughs> and narvin getting getting to be a paytrex for just a second yeah. makes me so happy like how many seasons before we knew that he was a Patrix? by the way not knowing narvin's full name Sorry, it was like a scar on my heart for so many seasons and then we finally found out. Those of you who've listened to it all in a chunk don't know the pain of not knowing Norman's full name. Okay, I'm done. Who's next? Uh,
4: no, similarly to Finn, you know, this is... this. For some reason, I always forget that this is the third episode and I, I always think uh, a Blind Eye is, is episode three and it's not. The whole thing about the collection, you know, and and and, and the many Raxiatels thing, um, sort of gathers momentum in, in this. And we also learn, you know, that there's sketchy things going on with the Matrix, um, which which is a, a, a huge sort of a huge thing that sort of Gallifrey really sort of plays with. You know, it's just the concept of, of, of just how important the Matrix is to. Time Lord society as a whole it had been showcased in, in the classic series you know, you know going back to the deadly assassin again and less well in Trial of a Time Lord you know, um, you know which, which, which hey I will defend trial to many many people on many many levels but good because
3: I was about to fight you Yeah, you know,
4: um, <laughs> and, and there are elements of um the last act of trial that that are are very good, but there are you know the whole Mr. Popplewick thing is is great. It's you know you know it's it's really well done. But you know log. but there's there's a lot of Six's experience in the Matrix, which is just considering it was eleven years after the Deadly Assassin, and the production values of. You know, taking a nosedive, You know, you know that uh, Four's experience in the Matrix is so much more believable and so so much more real and so more effectively done than um, than Sixes is. Yeah, you know, which is a real shame. It's a shame for Colin that happened because because hey, you deserve better than what he got. Um. So back to the original point, yeah. So Gallifrey really plays with ma- the Matrix as a concept, and 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 how integral it is to um uh, to time and world society. Um, and all I will say is, um, hey, Romana, even the Master never blew up the Matrix. Okay, just just just, just saying, you know, even the Master. didn't go that far.
2: (laughs) On the other hand, Romana would probably point out that that just proves she's more competent (laughs) than the Master.
3: Which is also very valid. It's a very valid point. I would defend her on that
4: one. Yeah, I mean, you know, let's let's not sort of get into the Master's incompetent moments because all I will say is Mark of the Rani, you know.
0: (laughs) I mean, in that case, it would become a the Master's Incompetent Moments podcast instead.
3: Was there anything else anyone wanted to say? Or are we all talked out on this episode?
0: Like with the last one, some of the others have said, I could I could just, you know, go over the plot. I could just tell you the plot point. Um that would be boring though. So what I'll say instead is the the bits I remember most clearly. Um and i think to me it's very much um we get a little bit of it in the the previous two episodes but i think this is the first one where we have this very sort of this is where the 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 gallifreyan politics really sort of develop and where we really get to see them and and those are probably my favourite part of the show, um, I say, and in five minutes I'll say something else is my favourite part, but they are a big favourite part anyway. Um and yeah, I just I just love this episode and how everything just keeps escalating, it gets weirder and weirder and they keep being like, But the inquiry we have to go and we have to do this and you're just they're like that's a, the internet is about to explode.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. I was thinking that when Chris said he thinks of, he, he swaps
2: 1.3 and 1.4, right? This really is the mm-hmm. politics episode, right? Despite the fact that the internet's about to explode, it's the least action-y episode by a lot of yep. season one, right? All of the others have running in corridors. They're still attached enough to Doctor Who that they feel you have to do running mm. in corridors, the inquiry is not that way and it's sort of a predictor of future seasons. It feels more yeah. like seasons two yeah. and three than any other episode in season one, I think.
0: And the the second most vivid thing in my mind is that um this is where the Brex fascination started. This is where it all began. <laughs> <laughs> um, that that scene. Um
4: where did The it one start? where
0: he meets he... Romana under a bridge. Um I think that's where I was like, oh, this character is exciting. I want to learn more about him. Um, <laughs> Here I am, like, six, seven years later. and
3: And we still know nothing because he's just like that.
0: <laughs> yes, we know nothing. And yet I talk about him every single day of my life. <laughs> I don't even believe that's an exaggeration. <laughs>
3: probably not i can i can definitely back that one up probably not finn is usually the
0: one who is on the receiving end of these these talks but yeah no that 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 one scene that's um that's sort of where i was like oh that guy that one is my one
3: and also i hate him
0: (laughs) yes that one is my one unfortunately
3: (laughs) that sounds like something benny would say
4: (laughs)
0: <laughs> well i'm very flattered
2: well thank you for listening everyone indeed find us on twitter or tumblr or around the internet next episode we should have scar back and we are looking forward to to talking with you
4: so we we should all sign off in the manner of um of ramana dismissing narvin you may go narvin or conversely
1: The the manner of signing off to Leela. Until next episode. Mana is the president And Narvin's loud in his dissent And Leela has wise things to say And they all live on Gallifrey We're massive nerds who love this show
0: part of Rethlin, thank you for listening.